Welcome to another episode of the Dumb and Dumbest Podcast. I'm Matt Bacon here with my beautiful co-host, Keith of Ghost Cult Mag. What's up? And today we are talking to the amazing Austin Rogers at Austin the Manager. What's up, Austin? What's going on, guys? So for those of us who don't really have context on who you are or what, you're, what you've kind of done within the industry, can you sort of elaborate and like explain what you do exactly within this world? Definitely. Yeah, so, I mean, my... Main job, I'd say, uh, on a, a day-to-day is I do social media growth for people, mainly work with artists, helping them grow on Spotify, on Instagram, on TikTok, really wherever they're looking to get exposure, and I help them set up a plan of attack for when they're releasing their music. Alongside of that, I'm an artist manager myself. I work with two artists right now, um, at New School Genius and at Rabs Died. So I've been working with both of them for a few years now, and we're kind of like hustling in the the rap space and working, getting them as much exposure as they can. That's really cool. So how'd you get involved with this? So I honestly, I didn't plan to be an artist manager whatsoever. Um, What happened was I had a little home studio in my basement in high school and um, a buddy of mine and, and me, we were just kind of just making music I was like trying to produce and he was trying to rap and like you know we were posting it on SoundCloud was getting like you know 40 plays and we're like oh my god like 40 people are listening this is so cool and um one day he was like hey like my buddy John wants to come through you mind if he records so you know I know him as John but to the world he's uh NSG Hollywood that's uh one of the artists I manage so John comes over my house and he records and he's like yo you know, he never even rapped before. He's like, I just want to try this out. So he records and he was like, you know what? I really like this. He's like, can I come back tomorrow? I was like, yeah, bro, like, come through. And, um, you know, he just started recording music. I found it fun as a hobby. And once he finally released something, um, it was the first song, I believe, was a freestyle called Just Might. And it ended up racking up like close to 10,000 plays in the first month that it came out. And... For me, I was like, whoa. I was like, we were just getting 40 plays on SoundCloud. And now this kid's coming and recording at my house and he's getting like 10,000 on his first song. I was like, this is cool. I want to try and get involved with him. So he just kind of kept coming over my house and recording frequently. And um, I decided just to help him out. I had nothing to do. (laughs) I mean, I think it was the summer after high school. So like literally nothing going on. It wasn't working. And um, I just kind of took his hand and tried to like move him in a professional manner to help him organize his releases and get himself on social media. So I would say when I was like officially his manager, what ended up happening was um, I got him booked to open for Lil Uzi Vert at okay. the, the Paramount, which is a, a place on Long Island. It's a, a sure. theater. And uh, from there on out, I was like, yeah, I guess I'm your manager. So I didn't, I didn't plan for it to happen, but it just kind of happened and I was good at it and we moved on from there. (laughs) That's, uh, 
That's pretty cool. So what year is this that he's opening for Little Uzi Vert? Um, let's see. So I started working with him in the summer of 2016. I okay. think we got booked for him summer 2017, or it was like May or June 2017. That period, yeah. So at this point, are you like going to college or what's, what's going on? Yeah, so um, at that point, I went to community college close to us in Long Island. And um, I ended up initially starting with, I was doing like an information systems major. So it's like computer shit. And um, then I ended up switching into a cybersecurity major. So I was, okay. I was going to college um, and managing the, these guys. I ended up getting involved with RABS, I believe in the beginning of 2018. So it's been about two years with him and a three and a half with Hollywood. So, okay. So there's a lot to unpack there. Cause so like, did you end up dropping out? So what happened was um, I graduated with an associate's degree in cybersecurity this past spring. Sure. So I did like a year of that, the information systems major. And then when I decided to change my major, it was a brand new major that just got introduced at the college and almost none of my credits that I took would transfer. So I did like, mm. I had to do a whole nother two years and I got my associate. So I just recently graduated that in the spring, but um, I don't work in the cybersecurity field at all. I, uh, I do the social media growth full time right now. Yeah. Um, that's a whole nother thing <laughs> that I can get into. Well, that's what I wanted to touch on next, but yeah. Yeah. So um, I do social media growth full time. I, uh, I grind down in my parents' basement and I love it. <laughs> So what does that look like? So I'll give you the, the short like rundown of this. Right when I started managing Hollywood, um, a few months after that, um, we were like, you know what? Like, we need to get your social media going. Like, you know, as my minimal experience with the manager, I think this is something that's important. So sure. I ended up kind of learning like different growth strategies and I started doing it for him. I was just growing his social media and we were seeing great results with it. And um, there's a decent size rap scene out here on Long Island. So the word kind of got out. They saw that he was growing his social media fairly quickly. And everyone's like, yo, what are you doing? He's like, oh yeah, you know, Austin does it for me. <laughs> so I ended up opening up a, a small side business and I was getting people to pay me to help them grow their social media. So I did that just recently by myself up until uh, the end of July or the end of June. And then um, I ended up collaborating with Everyday Success Team, which is where I work now. Um, I help run their sales team there and we're in the process right now of kind of scaling to a full media agency. So, so, so explain this to me. Um, what are, what like, so like, what do these strategies look like? Right. So, I mean, Right now, what we really do in terms of helping someone grow is our goal is to try and increase someone's social credibility. So, you know, when let's say you open up for a little Uzi Vert, right? And a bunch of people go and look at your Instagram after and you only have like 2000 followers. Like, all right, like this is a fluke that this kid got here. Like most likely you'll get some followers, but not a lot. But let's say yeah. you open for a little Uzi Vert and you got 25,000 followers at that point what happens is people are willing to consume the content you have posted. Sure. And they go check you out because they feel like they're missing out. They want right. to be part of this before you blow up type of thing. 
Sure. So those are like our goals. We really try and help people build their following and get their engagement looking right. Um, we have like engagement groups that we work with um, within our company. So, you know, you work with us, we put you in a comments engagement group to really help drive and sure. with the other people that we're working with. Cause it's mostly artists. So it's like, it's a real cool community that you come in. We have the <clears throat> artist managers, we have the producers, we have the artists and um, people network, which is wonderful. Absolutely. Uh, we, we run a couple of those. So then beyond the engagement groups, what are you doing to get, um, in there, to, to grow from 2000 to 25,000? What does that look right. like? Well, what I'm going to say is I can't reveal the complete secret sauce. Um, that's kind of exclusive to like who sure. we're with, but, um, I'm, I'm just going to kind of leave it at that. Okay. That's fair. Um, so, okay. So here's something I've been frustrated with lately and I'm curious for your input. Okay. I'm ready. Um, a big part of my personal growth strategy has always been, um, you know, heavy commenting mm-hmm. just everywhere constantly. Right. Um, that being said, Instagram has kind of, uh, buckled down on that recently, yes. right? Where it used to be like, you could drop a hundred comments a day and you'd go up 20, 30 people a day. Yes. You can no longer do that. Oh yeah. <laughs> How much has that impacted you? How do you, what do you see as the way forward around that? Um, honestly, it has impacted me. Um, and those were kind of strategies that I was implementing for people um, when I was running my own social growth company. And now it's just kind of like, all right, this is something I have to deal with. <laughs> yeah. um, I focus on when I am doing the commenting myself just providing like as much value as possible on each comment. Cause I know I can't interact with as many people as I used to sure. So really focusing on trying to get each and every person that I interact with to follow me. And also like when you're providing so much value, the comment is very unique and you know, Instagram may give you a little bit more leeway with that not that you know you go on every single person's picture and you just say like oh nice this is cool i like yeah Yeah, which was an option not that long ago yeah it was and you could do that and you could spam people and it would work (laughs) which was crazy yeah absolutely instagram only recently just cracked down on a lot of that and before it was like the wild wild west like you could basically get away with whatever you wanted and people were growing like wildfire and like for the record listeners, when he says like until recently, he means like until mid-December. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like it just happened basically. Um, so, and like it's, it's weird because I feel like having just come back from the holiday, like having that happen right before the holidays, like no one really was able to like figure out and adjust like. Yeah, um, it, you know, you're just getting back on like, what, what's going on? Like, <laughs> yeah. why am I getting blocked? Like, am I in hell? <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Like it's making, it's honestly making me nervous. Like I would say right now and like people disagree with me. I've started this discussion before, but like I feel right now with the way that Instagram's moving and how they're limiting people a lot. TikTok is like one, like move away, like one app update away from being able to take the throne. Like if they just change how it works a little bit, they could dethrone Instagram, which is scary to think about. 
so talk to me about TikTok. What's your strategy there? What's going on? It's, in, it's an interesting one because like, no, we're mostly rock and metal focused. Okay. And no one in rock and metal gives a shit about TikTok. <laughs> Dude, so. No, it would be interesting to see people in rock and metal try and get on TikTok and see what happens because like- I agree. Right now, TikTok is the platform that has the largest organic reach. And maybe a month ago, I actually put out a small guide I posted on Instagram about how to create content on TikTok and get it to perform. And this isn't a surefire way, but this is like, from what I've observed, this gives you the greatest chance of all of a sudden, like opening your phone and be like, holy shit, I got 50,000 views. Like what happened? So basically what you're going to do is you're going to go see something that's trending already. You go to the, the, the hashtags that are trending and featured and you go watch people do this content. I said, you know, go watch it for five hours. And then when you feel like you're ready, watch five more hours of content until you really got this down pat and you kind of understand what goes on TikTok and how the humor works and how content becomes popular. After you feel like you've finally watched enough content, you're going to go and you're going to film one of these challenges yourself, whatever it is. And then you're going to realize, all right, I don't have any followers right now. I'm just starting out on TikTok. No one follows me. I have nothing to lose. You got to drop your ego and be like, I'm going to look like an idiot right now. This is going to be really dumb, but I'm going to post it anyway. And then you're going to upload it. You follow it with the hashtags from the trend and you're going to put for you page hashtags and that's it. And you cross your fingers. And if it doesn't work, you do it again and you do it again and you do it again. Because I've seen people who've posted a hundred times on TikTok before something blows up. And then once they get that viral post, they establish a fan base. And then from there on out, the people who are consuming that content, you finally have followers to kind of give you that little push right Mm -hmm. after you post. And then your content usually performs consistently. Usually consistently. It doesn't sound very good. Usually it performs consistently after that. That is really good advice. Yeah. I mean, and here's the thing too. I'll be the first one to say, I am not doing well on TikTok. I am not staying consistent. Um, I've only posted once. (laughs) So you can take what I have to say with a grain of salt because I haven't been able to implement it, but I observe TikTok so much and I consume so much content so I can kind of coach people on it. So Mm -hmm. you just kind of got to go out there and do it. Like, you know, I woke up one day, I was like, all right, I'm filming TikTok today. And I'm going to see what happens. And it might've taken me three hours to film my first TikTok, but I got it done. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's what it is, is there's like a weird grind to it. Yeah. Even just like getting used to like using the app. I'm like, wait, how, how do I make myself go in slow motion? Wait, why are the, why are there hearts coming out of my head now? Like, what did I just do? <laughs> so it's a grind. You just kind of got to play around with it and put out content and, and use it. Just be like a kid kind of. And, and utilize it. Like, I feel like it's a little weird because the audience is um, kind of younger. I would say definitely is like yeah. 10 to like 18. And I'm sitting on TikTok, you know, at 22 years old. And I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. Which is like insane how, cause I'm 23 and I feel the same way where like, you know, we are not that old and yet we feel completely alienated by this young person thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, 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 what are you, cause I know Keith, you have some views on TikTok, right? 
I do. I'm with Austin. Uh, I also, in addition to being a music journalist and mainly a metal guy, I'm also a marketing expert and a social media expert. And I have been hesitant about TikTok, even in my client work, because they need to kind of, they haven't even got to where Snap is for me yet in terms (laughs) of being viable for brands and and artists, but Mm -hmm. it's coming. It's definitely coming. They're, They're getting there. They need to get the platform a little more I, agile and uh, you know, it's got to be a little more artist friendly. Do you do you think it's going to get there in twenty twenty, or do you think it's a beyond twenty twenty thing? I think it's it's basically already there. Um, and what I'll say is like, being an artist and putting out your own content on TikTok um, is a difficult to start. But what's super valuable about the platform right now is the influencers who already have a hold on the attention. Um, You can work, you can partner with an influencer, you can have them create a piece of content around one of your new singles and implement a challenge. And if that piece of content performs well, not only will all their followers try and recreate it and their, their friends in middle school will see it, but the other big influencers will also potentially recreate it if the trend becomes viral enough. And that's where TikTok is the most valuable platform because of the potential for that to happen. You have songs like Old Town Road that blew up on TikTok, were created by TikTok and created Lil Nas into a multi-platinum artist. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's fascinating to see. Yeah. I, you know, I, I hadn't even listened to Old Town Road for maybe like three months, four months after it came out. Cause I was like, I don't want to listen to this dumb TikTok song. Like, you know, music can't break on TikTok. And then like after listening to it, I was like, all right, I was like, I see why this is really popular. And now seeing like basically that formula can get executed over and over again by other artists and seeing how successful it is. It's crazy. I mean, I know people who solely listen to music that comes from TikTok and they're like, yeah, this is a TikTok song. I'm like, well, it's not a TikTok song, but like, you just heard it on there. <laughs> but that's also just crazy to think about. Like, I'm, uh, yeah, no. That, that, so w- what does, for the artists you manage, right? how does TikTok impact them? Honestly, so right now, um, I believe Rabs is on TikTok, but he hasn't put out much content. And I'm not even sure if Hollywood has created one yet. I kind of... I haven't been on them as much as I used to. Um, but I, basically like I yell on my Instagram story all the time. Like, yo, you guys need to be on TikTok. Like if you don't have a TikTok, like you're dumb. Like you got to get on it. Just like drop your ego, start making content and like, just have fun with it and see what happens. Um, then also like in terms of promoting on TikTok too, right now, like these influencers have big leverage over anyone who approaches them because there's really no platform like it right now in terms of like organic reach and like how many people are really seeing these content. So like they're expensive. I mean, I know there's people that like I have contacts with that'll do TikTok campaigns and it'll get you a 20 million follower reach. It's $4,000. So, you know, an independent artist isn't just going to walk up and be able to shell that out. Like, there's people who don't make that over the course of one or two months with a full-time job. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's right now I'd say it's an expensive platform to promote on, 
but if you can reach out to the right people and kind of talk with them, you can develop a, a, a promotional campaign. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's going to take a lot of patience to reach out, you know, hopefully, you know, this influencer who has, let's say 200,000 followers on TikTok doesn't have a following on Instagram yet. So you can reach out to them via Instagram. You know, mm-hmm. if they have 200,000 followers on Instagram, you're probably never going to really be able to get in touch with them. So do you find value in micro influencers on these platforms? Like someone might get a lot more value out of someone like me, for instance, on Instagram, because I'm known in the stoner rock and underground metal worlds, even though I don't have a ton of followers, right. but I haven't, you know, do you find value with that on TikTok? Is there similar? Um, I'd say micro influencers right now are more valuable on Instagram. And that's mm-hmm. only because the content with these micro influencers on TikTok doesn't always perform consistently where on Instagram, I know I'm going to post and I usually get, you know, between a thousand and 1500 or 2000 likes. I know that that's always going to happen unless I put yeah. out a really bad piece of content on TikTok. I've seen pieces of content that are posted by micro influencers. I think they're hilarious and they get no traction. You know, I see people who will, put a piece of content on TikTok four or five times before it goes just based on like, I guess how it performs in the beginning and it's pushed by TikTok's algorithm. Like I don't even understand their algorithm yet. I'm definitely working on that, but I think micro influencers on TikTok really aren't too valuable at the moment. Good to know. Uh, Keith, I think you had a question. Yeah. I was going to jump in and pivot for a second. Uh, Austin at the top, you talked about, growing Spotify. And I know that's a very universal thing right now for 2020. Any emerging artist or artist trying to be an artist, Matt is the guy who loves to say, if you're not on Spotify, you don't exist. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can definitely agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm trying not to die over here from pneumonia. But um, <laughs> what I wanted to ask was, what would be your kind of go, if you have one, what would be your go-to strategy to grow a Spotify plat, you know, a Spotify account for an artist from scratch or with, you know, not much of a following. Right. Okay. So if you're going with not much of a following, I'm going to drop some, some secret sauce here. This is something I kind of only tell people who I'm close with, but this is so valuable. Um, and it's a great way to discover playlists and kind of see what's already working. Because, you know, because I'm in the music scene, I get hit with ads on Instagram all the time. Instagram playlist, uh, I mean, Spotify playlist, 25,000 followers, we'll add you for $10, like whatever it is. Um, And a lot of the Spotify playlists right now, the, I mean, they're all going to be like pay to get placed in for like independent curators. Um, A lot of them aren't effective. They have way too many songs. And even if you get added into one that's popular, if you're not near the top, um, you're not going to get a lot of attention. And if people shuffle it, it doesn't even matter. Um, there'll be, let's say, 300 songs in that playlist and you may never get listened to. So this is how you're going to discover effective Spotify playlists that are driving artists a lot of monthly listeners. So you're going to go on Spotify. Um, you're going to pick independent artists that you're a fan of. And if you don't know any, what you can honestly do is kind of go see what's popular on SoundCloud um, from different like SoundCloud rappers. And then if that artist has a Spotify account, you're going to go to their Spotify account on a desktop computer. 
and you're going to go to the about tab on that artist and it's going to show their bio and it's going to show pictures and it's also going to show the most popular playlists that they're in and chances are these guys are paying for playlist placement because that's basically how spotify works you're going to pay to get playlisted so you're going to go and click on the most popular playlist that these guys are getting listeners from and more likely than not in the playlist description it's going to be a contact email and you're going to go and you're going to contact whoever runs that playlist and you're going to try and get placed in it. It's going to cost you money, but that's the, the nature of the beast. Like in order to be successful as an artist, like you're going to have to start investing in yourself at one point in time or another. And if you're already doing well with not investing in yourself, you have to understand where you could be once you can get some money behind you. Sure. So what's an appropriate amount to pay for a Spotify playlist? Placement? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, right now, I'm working with a great playlister and we're getting between three and four week campaigns on playlists that'll have between let's say 40 and 80,000 followers. And we're paying between 150 and $250 for the, the full campaign. I believe that it's a steal to be completely honest. I think that I'm, we're getting a great deal right now. Um, I'm not sure with this guy, has like on a base when like he talks to other people, but the, this is what we negotiated to. So, but what I would honestly say with a playlister, um, no, very few playlisters run one playlist. They usually run a whole network of playlists. And when you meet someone that you feel like could be valuable to work with, you want to talk with them and see, all right, let me work with one of your smaller playlists right now at uh, a nominal fee, something very small and kind of see for yourself firsthand of how those playlists perform with your music. There's another thing that you can do as well. And I encourage people to do this when you're searching for a playlist to potentially invest in. You can see on Spotify when you're on your desktop, how recently songs have been added and you're going to go and contact the people who've recently been added so you'll see like what the artist's name is you're going to go on instagram and you're going to try and find them um if you click on their profile you may have their instagram linked already to their spotify um but if they don't you try and go find them on instagram and you hit them up and say hey i see you're in this playlist do you work with the playlister what's your experience been like and you just have to talk to the artist that this guy already is working with because, you know, an artist is usually pretty straight up with another artist unless of course they're friends with the playlister. But if you hit up enough people, you're going to get uh, a good feel on how that playlist performs and whether or not you should be putting your money into it. Because a lot of independent artists, like 150, $250, like is a lot of money, especially like when you're, these kids are 17, 18 years old, they're get, just getting out of high school. They, they barely have money to spend. So it may take them a while to save that money up. And they got to sure. be particular with where they're going to put it because it needs to bring them value because it may take them two, three months to be able to save money up like that again. Yeah. Now, let's say you get a placement in something that has 40,000 followers, mm -hmm. right? How many plays would you expect to get out of that? So it depends, one, again, how active these people are how active the listeners are. Um, I believe when you can view, when you view a playlist, at least on desktop, it'll say how many followers it has. And then it'll also say how many monthly listeners 
are uh, on the playlist. So I would usually suspect about 10% of the people who of following is an active listener. So if there's 40,000 playlists, you're going to have uh, 40,000 followers, you're going to have about 4,000 active monthly listeners on that playlist. And the other thing to take into consideration is you need to make sure you get placed in a playlist that fits your niche well. Um, when we usually get placed in playlists, we're doing like sad boy, emo rap, um, stuff like that. You know, like if one of my artists got placed in a, an awesome metal playlist, we wouldn't really get any listeners. Maybe we sure. get a few one-time listeners, but we want them to save that music, put it in their own playlist and continue to listen. Sure. And metal people aren't looking for 808s. Exactly. <laughs> um, no, I, I think, I think that makes sense. That's, uh, that's a level of honesty that I really appreciate. Cause I think there's a lot of, um, smoke and mirrors around Spotify. Yeah, there really is. And like, it's tough to find a good playlist. Like you really have to just put in the time, do it yourself. If someone says, Oh, I can get you in these playlists. And like you realize they're not really the curator. Like if they say I can get you in this playlist, go look up the playlist, go see if there's a contact email and contact that email. There's so many people who middleman Spotify playlists and there's so many Spotify playlists that just don't get shit done for you. And people are wasting their money putting into these Spotify playlists because they're just so pumped up with kind of like shit. Like the, the playlisters that I work with, you have to get approved to get into these playlists. If you have a, a playlister who's like, yeah, I'll put you in. Like, and they don't ask you for the song until you pay them. Don't not a good sign. Yeah. Do not work with them. So it's kind of like working with PR. Yeah, exactly. Um, have the, the person who runs the playlist kind of believe in your music and feel that it fits. Absolutely. Keith, what do you, well, I know you had something to say about this. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you know, the flip side to this that Matt and I often sometimes find ourselves talking about is, I want, you know, obviously this doesn't apply to anybody you personally work with or manage Austin, but have you been approached or have any of your partners or peers been approached, let's say by somebody not that talented, but has a lot of hype and money to get on playlists? And do you have to turn them down or be frank with them that they're not really that good, even if they have the money to air quotes, make it? Um, yeah, I've been approached by people. I get it. Honestly, like I get approached close to every day by artists who want me to manage them. But, very, you know, occasionally I get someone who comes along who has a lot of followers and, and clout. And like, hey, I want you to manage me. And their music's not very good. Um, normally what I do in that situation is I say, hey, man, like, I'm not taking anyone full time right now. But if you want me to advise you, we can sit down and do consultations and I can try and help you out. Um, and that's basically me saying, this kid already has some popularity. I'm personally not a fan of his music, but something's working here and everyone has their own flavor and taste. I mean, I could probably make an assumption right now on you guys. You don't enjoy six nines music, but clearly hundreds of millions of other people do. Exactly. So, you know, just because I may not think that someone is good, doesn't mean that they can't potentially make it help me create new connections and help me make money yeah well and also yeah and it's always learning like i'm a big fan of that paul simon quote like if something's popular uh and i don't like it it's not other people are wrong it's 
me having to learn. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like I don't, I don't think like six, nine is not for me, but like he is clearly for other people. So, I, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I've had long conversations with my younger cousins about six, nine trying to understand like, Hey buddy, break it down for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is, like that's the best part of liking music in my eyes. <laughs> Dude, absolutely. There's there's something for everyone with music. You, like you just need to keep working to find like that style that you like. Like personally, like I basically listen to everything. I'm such a fan of music and I appreciate the craft and what goes into it that like I just love listening and be like, wow, like this guy sat down and he wrote this. And he may have wrote it with like eight other people in the room. They all helped him. But, you know, this was a combination of words that have never been said before, placed over um, production that is completely original. And these combined in, to create this wonderful song. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like that, that's crazy. I love it. I love it. And you really think about it like that? You're like, wow, like no one's ever done exactly what I'm listening to right now. Right. And that's then like I'll trip out, especially when I see an artist who I've been listening to for like years you know, and they're playing something and I'm, and it's, there's just sort of like this, like I remember seeing Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin when I was 14 and having like this like existential crisis of like, this is the guy who wrote Stairway to Heaven, like yeah. right there. I love that when I go to a concert and I see the guy step out on stage or the girl and I'm like, holy shit, yo, like they're a real person. They're right in front of me right now. Like I always look at them through a screen and like they're actually living flesh right in front of me. Like, yeah. that's so cool. <laughs> so so just, forget that they're just normal people. So just to wrap up, mm -hmm. what are the biggest mistakes you see artists making on social? <sighs> um, not being authentic. Number one, they try and portray themselves as someone they're not. And they're just trying to like fit the market. They got to just be themselves, put out their own thoughts and opinions and, just be original. People are afraid to showcase who they actually are. And I think that's what helps an artist be individual. And that's why someone like Billie Eilish is so popular because she's herself. She's unapologetically herself and it's original and people want to consume that because it's fresh and new. That's, I would say, number one. Um, number two is not investing in yourself. I hear artists all the time will be like, oh, well, like that guy's only successful because he's got a lot of money behind him. But it's like, this is the business. You need to be able to invest in yourself to see your full potential. And if you're an artist right now and you're like, you know what, I'm just going to make music and hopefully make money off of that. Like you need to realize that it's not highly likely that you're going to make it. And you should really be getting a full-time job to fuel this passion. And you go work nine to five at your full-time job. You get home, maybe you nap for an hour you eat dinner and then you work seven to 12 every night on being a musician or a rapper and you work on that side hustle until that can be your main and you can make money off of it. But you need to have some other source that can fuel this hobby and this passion. Otherwise it's not really going to go anywhere. Well, Real said. and knowledge bombs from Austin, yo. <laughs> do you have Real any, um, do you have any uh, closing questions over there, Keith? You know, just uh, awesome sharing your story with us. And I'm really stoked to hear that Matt is not the only person who has these exact same
problems every day where everybody is trying to pitch him to sign them. And it's like the same story except for hip hop. It's awesome. Yeah, dude. <laughs> well, okay. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, man. I, okay. I like what you have to say. I wanna um I just wanna ask you if you have something that I experienced. We have three minutes left on this podcast. Okay. Um something that happens to me constantly and drives me up the wall is I'll get pitched by someone whose music is good. You know, and I, but for me, I'm always like, what have you done? Right. Cause I don't want to invest someone else's money in someone who hasn't done anything. Yes. Right. And so I'll say, what have you done? And they'll say, oh, not, you know, or I'll be like, have you toured? And I always get told, oh, well, we haven't toured yet, but once we get signed, bro, <laughs> you know, or, oh, we don't really do stuff on social yet. Cause we don't have anything going on yet. Oh. And I'm like, do you hear, do you get this too? Um, yeah, I, I do. I get a lot of people who approach me and like, listen, like I'm really good. And like, you know, whenever I listen to someone's music, like, by now I have an ear. But, like, as an artist, like, you should be listening to your music, put your, your best song on, and now go put on what's number one on Billboard. And just compare them. Is the quality the same? Is the structure the same? Is it just as loud? Yeah. And if it's not, keep working. And that's okay. You, you will get better as you continually make songs. You need to have thousands and thousands of songs recorded to get to the 10,000 songs or more to get to the level where a lot of these billboard artists are at. Yeah. And, that, and that's sort of the thing. That's like something to think about. Like one of my closest friends is um, this guy, Mark Urselli, who's like a multi Grammy winning producer. We just like hang out and get ice cream. Cause we're fucking dumb. I love that. <laughs> um, but like, like when I could, like when you look at like how he considers himself, like when you look at like, where he sits in the relative scheme of things where he's like this super genius <laughs> and like, but you know, there's still so many tiers above him. Like, yeah, fuck, man. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's really cool. And you just have to like, understand that like, especially when you're just starting out and you're in high school and you're trying to make music, like, listen, like your music's probably not going to be that good right now. And like, let's say it is good and people like it. Think about where you're going to be in five years if you continue to hustle and grind this and make thousands of songs. So, like, yeah. you just got to keep that perspective that you can always improve. The guys on Billboard can still improve. So you just got to keep that in mind to say, you know what, like, the next song I make is just going to be better than this one. And the next one's going to be better than the one before that. Absolutely. Any, uh, any final words of wisdom as we wrap up this, uh, this episode of the podcast? Not really. Be authentic. And don't be afraid to be yourself online. That's you, people want to see originality. Very well said. Thank you so much for coming on. We'll have to have you back. Absolutely. I really enjoyed this guys. Thank you for having me. This has been dumb and dumbest. You've been listening. Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs>